Well, it's good to be back in the pulpit, amen? I tell you, our staff has done an incredible job the last seven weeks, and I've enjoyed preaching a few times during that time. I think that's the most I have not preached in about 12 or 13 years. Aren't you thankful? <laughs> Shut up. No, 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 no. But, uh, man, we're excited about what God has to bring today in his word. I want you to open your Bibles to Revelations. Revelations, if you're a guest with us, my name's Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Momentum Church. We're excited about what God has been doing and what God is getting ready to do. At the beginning of this year, we said that this year has been a year of acceleration. And have we not seen that in this house? I mean, an acceleration of healings, an acceleration of finances, an acceleration of just Believe it or not, I, mean, I just feel like spiritual leadership, I've seen so many of you grow in your spiritual leadership. It has been a year. Shout everybody, just shout real loud. Acceleration. Acceleration. Come on, like a bunch of Pentecostals. Acceleration. Acceleration. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Now, that was too much. Just that last little, that you always just over. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, are you guys ready for some Thanksgiving with um, tryptophan and all the good? Yeah. How many's ready for a nap already? My wife has been working me to death getting things ready, and, um, and she does that every year to me. Okay, she doesn't. In June, she says, these are the projects I want done by the time the family comes at Thanksgiving. And, you know, you wait until, like, October, you know. So that's just how that is. But, but I'm getting ready for it. But, but Thanksgiving, I've got a, a talk I want to do today that's a little bit different. And I've been nervous all week because I'm like, God, there's a prophetic edge in this word. There's something there that I just haven't grabbed a hold of yet. And, and I'm just going to discover it with you. Is that cool? So I'm driving today. I have no clue where we're going. No, I kind of do. But I just feel like there's more to this today that the Spirit is going to bear upon our hearts than your preacher is going to bear upon your hearts. And isn't that the way it should be anyhow? Amen? And so I want to start just by praying right now. Jesus, speak. Speak clearly. Speak boldly. God, do a work in our hearts today. We listen to your word readily with listening ears and feet ready to walk out what you challenge us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. And so Thanksgiving, that's this week. And, and the first Thanksgiving, we understand that the idea of the first Thanksgiving, the early pioneers, that they weren't doing so well. They, they, they realized that in all their sufficiency, they had become really insufficient in that moment, you know. Coming up through the, for those years, those early times, trying to find food, trying to make things work. And in all their, say, sufficiency, they were insufficient. And they realized in that moment that they had to lean on some expertise and some wisdom from some other people. And the Native Americans were there to bear upon them the help that they needed. And, and it culminates in a Thanksgiving meal, a celebration the first time where we're going to honor the help of these that have helped us get through. That we thought we had it all figured out. How many in here you think you got it all figured out? How many here there's a time in your life when you thought you had it all figured out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, from 19 to about 25, I knew it all. And then I realized I know nothing. And for the last 20, I turned 45 this week. For the next 20 years, I've tried to learn some stuff, and I'm still learning. Amen? And you're helping me to learn, and I thank you for that. But these guys had got to that point where they realized that they could not do it on their own. And there's some folk in here today, when it comes to your spiritual walk, you feel like you've got it figured out, you know? You may even be able to say, hey, I got this. Ross, I got this. 
I got it figured out. I can handle this all on my own. And I'm here to tell you, under the unction of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, today, you can't. There's no way that amongst ourselves, relying upon ourselves, that we can be sufficient for what we need to do in life. I'm looking at young Josh over here. Dude, you're going to be a daddy in a couple weeks. You need the Holy Spirit. My gosh, how many first-time dads, you remember how it was? What age, remember that? Didn't know which side to diaper, you know? They're not supposed to be muffled once you diaper them. Other side of the body. Talk to the walkers if you need help. They'll teach you. No, but when it comes down to it, that idea of insufficiency, you realize it. And so today my, my talk is called this, Sufficiently Insufficient. Sufficiently insufficient. Because I realize apart from God showing up in my life, apart from him and his leading and his help, I am insufficient. And so I'm going to lean in on him for all it's worth. And you may be here this morning, you don't even know what that looks like. I'm telling you, man, there's no better life than when you realize I can't figure this out. I got to lean in on him. Everybody just lean this way. Just You just got to lean in, you know? You do. I'm so sufficiently insufficient. I want to be insufficient, God, to the point where, God, you are my sufficiency. The Bible says that he is the El Shaddai. That literally means the all-sufficient one. I'm done trying. Doesn't mean I won't work hard to apply faith in him. Doesn't mean I won't lean hard. But it's him, he and he alone, that causes it to get done. It's he and he alone that is the sufficiency that we need. And there's an early church that we see in the book of Revelations that had some problems. And they're in the name of the church of Laodicea. Say Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, we hear of Laodicea so often. And if you're a, a, a Bible reader, scholar, you may go, oh, that's the lukewarm church. And you're right. The church of Laodicea, they were known because they weren't either hot nor cold. They were lukewarm. And that's, all the, that's what they were known for. And I run right past all the truths in that scripture because I already know that scripture. And God helped me not be lukewarm. And I'm not lukewarm. You know, I got this together. I'm not lukewarm. And neither are you, right? And that's how I've always looked at that scripture, you know. But let me give you a little bit of history on Laodicea. Laodicea was a community that had a lot of wealth. They had a lot of self-sufficiency, even to the degree that right before this letter was written to them, in AD 60, there was a huge earthquake that decimated that whole region, just destroyed the whole region. And the city of Laodicea, that community, they were a commerce city. They were a community known for textile distribution. They were a city known for their medicine. That'll come into play in a second. For their medicinal products that they created and marketed, you know. <coughs> they were like the essential oils <laughs> cult of the um, first century. <laughs> I'm kidding. My, my wife is one of those cult members. And I'm thankful, you know. I just wish she'd buy us deodorant again. <laughs> it's not natural. It's got aluminum in them. Yes, but it don't stink when I put the aluminum on. Okay, so just so you remember that. All right, so when it comes down to it, they were known for medicinal things. And, and this earthquake happens, and they refuse imperial support. 
The imperial government is rebuilding all these communities, and we are so sufficient to stay out. We got this. We got it covered. They literally refused support. Now, here's the thing, though. All I've ever seen is that they were lukewarm. And, 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 and the way of her preachers preach it, and they're absolutely right. There was an aqueduct that brought water this way. They were known for this mineral water, mineralized water that they had. It was part of the medicinal stuff that they had. And so there was an aqueduct that brought water this way, and there was an aqueduct that brought water this way. And where those two aqueducts would meet, the water was lukewarm. And so the letter to the church of Laodicea was striking a chord. They would understand that that's not really great tasting water. It's not cold. It's not hot. It's just, bleh, you know. And that's about where I've always stopped. But as I begin to study the scripture out, the Lord started showing me, no, no, no. It's not about just being lukewarm. That is a symptom. There's a cause for that symptom. And you guys ready for what the cause is? And it had already been seen as the imperial government tried to help them. The cause was they were too self-sufficient. We've got this. We've got our hands on it. We've got control of it. We'll take care of this. It's our thing to deal with. And, And it sounds so noble, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound noble to be so sufficient? Doesn't it sound noble that you don't need anything or anybody? Not even a deity. You don't, I got this. There's people in here today, you know, that are agnostic and atheist, and we're so glad that you're here as you're kicking the tires on what it looks like to pursue the things of God, you know? Like Steve Martin has a great song, The Atheists Have No Song. They have no hymns. You got to go look that up. I don't know where that came from, but it's awesome. But with that, you may be here searching and seeking, and, and, and I get it. The idea of self-sufficiency, we've got this, you know. Even the self-sufficiency of a community, maybe not on my own, but together we've got this. And that's where they were. They were so self-sufficient, but that sufficiency had crept into the church. It had crept into their faith, and it had crept into their view of God. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet. I want us to look here at Revelations chapter 3. I want to read the passage of Scripture we're going to walk ourselves through this a little bit. It says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now watch this, four, here's your preposition. This is what ties it together. This is the cause. The lukewarmness was the symptom. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. You see that? It was a self-sufficiency. Why are they lukewarm? Because I have nothing to need. And out of being completely sufficient... They had stopped leaning in on the provision of who God is. And I believe upon his purposes. I believe upon his, 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 the pursuit of him and his presence. I, I feel like all that came into being. And here's the reason why I feel that. This is the only church out of all the seven that there's not one commendation. Literally, the revelator has nothing good to say. But they would say of themselves, what? Watch, I need nothing. I've prospered. I am... But watch what, what, watch what the revelator says. You are wretched, you are pitiable, you are poor, you are blind, and you're naked. We're in the south, you're naked. <laughs> watch this. I counsel you to buy gold refined by fire. Some of supernatural stuff. Presence and power of God. Fire is always the presence and power of God in Scripture. 
that purifying presence. You can't be purified unless you get an encounter with the presence of God. That's why these altars are so powerful at times. We're not saying the magic happens here. We're saying your pursuit is something that says, I'm not sufficient, and I need the power and presence of God to come and do a work in my heart. And I'm taking a step of faith right now to see that happen. And that doesn't have to happen at church. That can happen at home, but still. So he says, here's my counsel to you. Get real gold, the fire of God that you may be rich, and white garments, that purity, that righteousness, so that you may be clothed yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes. Remember I said they were a medicinal community that created this products, these products that they would sell? And he's laying into that. Man, you're blind. You create medicine. You're so insufficient, but you think you're sufficient. You've got it all, but you have nothing. You need a touch from God. You need his righteousness. You need his anointing, that salve, that... Shout anointing. Anointing. Just say it one more time. That's a good word. It's just that blessing of God, that touch of God, that, that literally the anointing, the, 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 the smearing of the presence of God, the person of God upon something. God just wants to be, wants to touch us. I love it. I know you're still standing. Why? So that you can see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Now, here's the fix. You ready for this? The fix to all this. Again, he hasn't commended them at all, but he gives them the fix. <coughs> he says this. I reprove, I discipline, so be zealous and repent. In other words, get a passion and live differently. Not a passion for what you have, but get a passion for God and live differently. Repentance is a turning around, that no way. It's a, a 180 degree into another direction. And I'm realizing I'm not sufficient enough, but in God I am. And with it, God, I'm pursuing you. And I'm turning from my provision. I'm turning from my pursuit. And I'm putting you right there at the apex of my heart. And you know what happens when that happens? You can't help but not be lukewarm. Amen? You've met people like that, fired up because of the presence and pursuit of God. They're anything but lukewarm. But that lukewarmness, I'm linking it today. I believe God's just showing me today. Like I said, like a prophetic unction, it's linked into self-sufficiency. I've got it all under control. And you don't. Amen? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Go ahead and have your seat. <laughs> No, this does tie into Thanksgiving. It really does, though. That gratitude to realize I can't do anything to bring forth anything apart from his presence and leading. In our house, we have this wall that we start every year about a month before Thanksgiving. We just put these little memo cards. And then when people come and friends, we invite them to put memo cards. And, you know, the mandatory first memo card for the friend, like when Gary came over, it's like, say something nice about me, put it on the wall. No, I, I didn't. That, didn't. that didn't happen. That didn't happen. You know, but we, we put the fill the wall up. But when I look at that wall, I realize, man, there's not one thing Amy and I have done that could have produced all those things of blessing, all those things of gratitude, all those things of thanksgiving. We are sufficiently insufficient. Amen? And we lean in on that. Everybody shout grace. We lean in on the, the grace. Say it more time. Yeah, we lean in on the grace of God. Isn't that good? I love it. I love that. 
Here's the thing, if we're not careful, if, if we look at all our provision and what we have, just like the Laodiceans, what will happen is you'll be limited because you are limited by what you have when what you have has you. I am rich. I am prosperous. I, I, I. And God looks and says, no, you're naked. You're poor. I love the word pitiable. Oh, you know what pitiable is in the South? Bless your heart. <laughs> I'm serious. The great revelator in the throne room of heaven, face down in an open vision. You're pitiable, you know? God, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to find my sufficiency in him. Watch this. Verse 14, let's go back for a moment. And to the angel, and these angels that are spoken of, these messengers of the church, some would say they're the pastor of the house. Some, I think that's a pretty apropos thing. An angel? of the Danny just rolled his eyes. <laughs> He's like, I puked in my mouth a little too. So, some say they're the, past, the pastor of the church of Laodicea. Some would say, no, they're literally an angel that stands guard over the house. But, but here it says, and every one of these is very specific to the thing that is being called out. And here's what it says. The angel in Laodicea write this, the words of the amen. See that? It doesn't mean that my finances are the final word to my life, whether that's good or bad. I'm rich. Well, okay. What happens when you're not? I have all I can handle. Okay, that's great. But when you don't have all you can handle, what's that look like? Right? Mellow, right? Y'all been through some stuff. What's that look like when you don't have all that you can handle, right? But here it says, this messenger, right, I am the amen. Speaking of Jesus, he is the so be it. He is the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He is the end-all, beat-all. He is the sufficiency that we need. And it says here, he's the amen. He's the faithful. He's the true witness. In other words, he represents and bears uh, accord with what God is doing and saying in the moment, in the season. Not just me and my leading, not just me and what I want to do, because I'll wind up naked, I'll wind up poor, pitiable, wretched. Amen? And so I think it's very clear here. He's trying to get this message across of our sufficiency that is tied into God. Wouldn't it be great to live in such a way that your thoughts were just caught up with the pursuit of God and gratitude towards him for the day at hand? Wouldn't that be awesome to just be able to have that kind of simple life, simplicity of thinking? Waking up in the morning with just God... What are we going to do today? Scott, can you imagine that? Lord, where are we going? Jeremy, can you imagine that? Going out and building beautiful fireplaces and stuff, but just knowing on the way God's going to talk to you. And, and he does. And What are we going to do today? Who are we going to meet today? How are you going to provide today, God? I'm so not rich. I'm so, you have everything, Lord. You're my sufficiency. Wouldn't it be great to live that kind of a life? Well, guys, there's a guy who in some ways lived that. His name's Billy Joe Rollins. I won't put his picture up here on the screen. How many guys, you remember Billy being here at church? Amen? And a lot of times Billy would come in, and he would call us his home church, but he would go to other churches too, but we were his home church. And, and the thing about Billy was that he, um, he walked the streets. He was a bit of a, a, of a, a, a vagabond kind of a guy, but Woodstock was home for a good number of years, and 
And, and Billy would come in here, and worship would take place. And if he was in the back, he'd be shuffling back there, you know. He kind of <laughs> worship, you know. And um, if he was in the front, next thing you know, you'd hear a <laughs> I'm going to miss that, you know. On November 1st, Billy passed from this world. So I don't know if many of you knew that. Some of you have my Facebook stuff. We, pat, we did his funeral last week. And so on November 1st, he passed away. And um, if you know anything about Billy, for years he's lived in the woods here in Woodstock um, by choice. He would say, hey, I'm taking food over to the homeless camp to help the homeless. Well, Billy, you're homeless. No, I'm not. I live in the woods. It was by choice, and for years he's lived over. He lived on a bus that we had built out for about a year, but after the city made us stop doing that, and I understand that, but still, after they had us stop doing that, um, he went to live in the woods, and he's been over by Target for a couple years now in the woods. And it's a little bit of a distance, so we'd see him sometimes. Sometimes he'd go to other churches, but Billy had this precious heart about him that wanted you to make you strangle him. Just love him. Oh, Billy, I'd be so frustrated with him at times, you know. And um, I can remember when we came into this building, standing right out here in this parking lot, trying to get him to listen to reason because we wanted to get him into a program and get him help. And, and, and I'm like, Billy, and I could, I, I, it hurt me even to say it, but I just was trying to get through. Billy, you're a bum. No, I'm not, Pastor. And he's just saying, he goes, I just, I just want to live on the bus and read my Bible and be with Jesus. He would just say that. It was just such a simple kind of a thing. And I'm trying to get him to stir him. And for a couple of years, every winter, before winter would come, I'd try to get him into this program. And he always refused. And I'd always say, Billy, you're going to die in those woods, you know. And every year it was tough. And we would help him when he'd get down to single digits, double digits, you know, like when he gets to 20s, 30s. You know, we would help him out and stuff. But he just wouldn't take that next step. And so long story short, they're building something on that piece of property, and they knocked down his going down. They removed his camp. They actually were pretty respectful about it. But within two weeks of that camp going down, they, he just, his health just started to fail, you know. Called his wife. Yes, he was married. Been um, estranged for years, but friends. Called his wife. and um, Or no, she called him. She felt led of the Spirit to call him. And so she calls him and and I want to put you up in a hotel for the night. And he did, she did. And the next morning, he said, something's wrong. I need to get to the hospital. And he got to the hospital. And with internal bleeding, that night, he told her, he said, I just want to go home. I just want to see Jesus. That's what he said. I just, I'm done. I have a, a sheet of paper where he wrote right on the back of that sheet of paper. I put it on the back of his bulletin. He just said, thank you, my Lord. I'm so tired. Please give me rest. It was the most recent thing he had written in his journal, you know. And with that, the next evening, he took his last breath. And went to be with the Lord. Is that wild? Now here's the thing about Billy. I'm just going to say a few things here. Again, this isn't a funeral today. But in his funeral, as I prepared and as I delivered it and as people were in this room celebrating who he was, his family, dad and stepmom and brother and sister and daughters. And we got a different picture of Billy in that day. And I just felt it was apropos for us today. So I'm going to say this. In honor of Billy, Billy Joe Rollins was born September 19, 1964, and passed away surrounded by his family on November 1, 2017. He is survived by his wife, Lisa, his eldest daughter, Amber, his son, Travis, and his youngest daughter, Eden. He's also survived by his father, Papa Ray, 
which everybody fell in love with. And by the end of the funeral, they're all whistling like Billy. It was, we had a hoedown. It was amazing. Billy's dog, Pete, jumps up on the stage. It's like, whew, funeral right here at Momentum Church. It's awesome. But his brother, John, and his sister, Joy, and he was preceded death by his mother, Clara. And here's the thing about this. This house and the house of the Lord was a place familiar to Billy. And I don't mean the facility, but the presence of God. It was a familiar place for Billy. He, 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 he strived to run into the presence of God. This altar, that place where man meets God, it was a familiar place to Billy. He didn't have a whole lot. He was definitely insufficient. Amen? Definitely. Scott, definitely. Huh? I know y'all, everybody tried to help Billy. I get it. I get it. Now listen, I'm, I'm not naive. I, I understand that this character study will break down as you take it to its nth degree. I get that. But y'all, there's some rich truths to live by that Billy can teach us. When we look at the Laodicean believer, that Laodicean believer might have said, well, I thank God I'm not wretched and pitiable and poor and blinded by addiction and kid like Billy. That piece of trash, spit on him. Turn your back away from him. The Laodicean church most likely would have done that, you know? While going through life in a lukewarm state when it came to their spiritual pursuit of God and the things of God. While saying, I'm sufficient, God, I've got this. But they would look down their nose at a guy like Billy. And at times, Billy would frustrate us all. My wife would call me and say, Billy's walking across the street, tying up traffic again. He'd come across four lanes. God's good. Get Across the road, Billy, you know? It's like, my word, but that was Billy, you know? There was times it was so frustrating. I get that. Like I said, this will break down at times. But can I read you something from Billy's writings? Can I do that? I just could not believe the richness of his writings. He said, my Lord, I'm so thankful and grateful for all you are. I'm trying to reflect on all you do. You are so amazing, Lord. Your love never fails. My great God, I can't keep up with your goodness. Today is Sunday, my favorite day of the week. I was so blessed. Service was awesome. All my chains are broken. I've been set free. Your children are so talented. He's talking about you guys and the ministry team. You're so talented. It puts me in awe of just how great you are, Father. Bless your children with every good thing. Give your grace over and over to overcome things that are, Lord, you strengthen, strengthen me. Lord, my prayers for the moment is that you comfort, and he goes on and starts praying for other people. But you can just see, this is just one page. I mean, literally, one book, and he's got tons of them. I just had the most recent, this last year of his life. And so with that, he titled the top, Lord, you reign on high. You alone reign on high. Uh, you, you don't realize the family that a man like that has, and, and this is his little girl. She got up here and just talked. She's about 19, 20 years old. Junior over here at Kennestone or Kennesaw. She actually is the one that took the picture of him singing with the guitar and the dog. And I'm little Eden just could not think enough of her dad. Travis couldn't think enough of his dad. Amber couldn't think enough of her dad. I mean, it was just blew my mind how much they love this man in spite of his struggle, in spite of his weaknesses, in spite of his addictions. They just loved him so much. And, and it just impacted my heart. That whole funeral, just seeing a guy that to so many we just cast off, you know? And to see that in some ways he, he, he understood things maybe a little bit better than most, you know, in this room. 
We have a saying here at Momentum Church that we say at the end of every service. We say, we'll see you all next week. And as always, we are yeah, with you on the journey, you know. And life it is. It's a journey that is better lived together. It really is. And um, Amy and I like to hike. And when you're hiking, a lot of the fun is just the people you run into that kind of uh, sprinkle life into your experience, you know. And I got to thinking about Billy when it comes to the journey of life and the hike that we've all been on. And, and um, you know, journey of life is kind of like butter and grits. You know what I mean? It's, that's, but Billy, man, he wasn't just salt and pepper, you know. He was like the whole freaking spice rack. <laughs> he really was. And, um, and it just crushed my heart when he passed, you know. And so many times I would tell him things and he'd always say, Pastor, you're not right. And, um, and, and, and things like that. And he always got a kick out of um, he's my my preacher, he rides a motorcycle and picks guitar. He thought that was the coolest thing. And so at the end of the funeral, I'm done. And one of his family members go, Do you really pick guitar preacher? I'm like, Yeah. Well, here. And they went out and got Billy's guitar. We couldn't stop till we all sang, I'll fly away, just sitting here on the step. It was it was probably one of the most meaningful moments of my life, you know, just being able to honor Billy. And um, a man that so many would have looked at as dishonorable. But he was a good one to have with you on the journey. He loved Jesus. He loved the word. He loved people. Now listen, he did struggle with alcohol, but never a stranger, you know. And he was a good one to have with you on a journey. I remember one time my elbow was hurting, and I was hauling junk. And, um, and he was, you know, he sometimes would go with me when I'd haul junk. And so we were going down to the dump, and my elbow was hurting. This is years ago. And... Um, and he's like, you okay, preacher? And I'm like, no, my elbow's hurting. And so when I dropped him off at his camp and I went back to the church, it wasn't too long later, he shows up with an elbow brace, brand new in a package. I'm not asking how he got it. <laughs> I never knew him to be a thief. And I never, he never got in trouble with nothing like that. But he could get stuff. So I just don't know. <laughs> but I do know this. Katie, a lady that we know that has uh, used to come to the church years ago, she saw him one time, didn't realize he was part of Momentum. She had already been gone for a long time. And, and um, she saw him out, and they get talking about music because he has a guitar, and she's a musician. And, and then they start talking about Momentum. And long story short, what ends up happening is um, he asked, can I buy your coffee? Well, she didn't know he was homeless because he always looked good, smelled good, talked good, you know. Can I buy your coffee? Sure. Buys her coffee, had the difference of $20 bill left, and just said, you know what? Us musicians need to stick together. Here, honey. And he gave her. Well, he always said, darling. Here, darling. And he gave her the rest of that 20. You know, living in the woods. But that was him. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I know the pastor. That he will break down. I get that. I don't need anybody coming up to me afterwards saying, all right, pastor, your aspirations for us all to be giving drunks. Woohoo! If getting drunk will make you give, so be it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Alan Grodd, I'm teasing. I, pr I promise I was joking about that. He's going to scold me later. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I was just joking. But still, no. When it came down to it, he just had such a heart. And, and, and let, me read, let me read one more here. He says, I just know this is going to be a great day. I can't wait for it to start. Let my angels guide my path. Let the joy of the Lord be my strength, my great God. Let your grace be with me. Jehovah, provide all my needs. Lord, keep my children safe. Bless them always. Teach them your ways. Lead them, guide them in all things. I love you, my great God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. You know? 
How blessed is the man that seeks you, he says. Father, today's been a blessed day. You really have come alive with your goodness today. You put a song in my heart. Thank you for everything that you've done. You're an awesome God. This is a man living in the woods. Sufficiently insufficient. Writing things of that nature, you know. And he would say to me all the time, ain't he a great God, pastor? Ain't he good? He's so good. He'd say, Pastor, I got Jesus in my bus. What more could I ever need? And I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out. Get out our bus. <laughs> the city's coming down on us. The people that own the properties send us cease and desist letters from the lawyer. I mean, like, dude, you got to get out the bus. But what more could I ever need? Again, it breaks down. I get it. But he got what this scripture, look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 and 9. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. Why? They had a sufficiency that was wrapped up in God and leaning in on him. I, I, I want a little bit more of that in my life. Amen. As we lean into Thanksgiving this week, I want a little bit more of that. I don't want to be lukewarm in my gratitude because I feel so sufficient on my own. Lord, I want to lean in on you. It goes on in that scripture and it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus will also with Jesus bring us with you into his presence. Watch this. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we don't lose heart. Our inner, though our outer self is wasting away, that's what I was seeing in my friend Billy's life. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal, shout eternal. Not focus so much on the temporal, but this eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, the things I understand, the things I can control, the things I can put my hands on to, the things that I can say, look how rich, look how prosperous, look what I have, those things. No, no, not the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're coming and they're going, but the things that are unseen, ah, they're eternal. Are we Christ followers believing in an eternal God or not? And if we are, that should affect everything that we do, every decision we make, how we spend our money, how we date our honey, how we, 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 we do all, how we wipe our child's nose that's running. I just need to rhyme three things. That's all. Okay. But all of it, you know, all of those things. Listen, he says, my hope is in you, Lord, all day long I'll seek your face. I'll seek you, my Lord, all day long I'll seek your face. I will thank you, Lord, all day long. Good, the bad, the big, the small. I'll be strong and I'll wait for you, Lord. Teach me to love like you love, a love that doesn't give up or give in. I'm learning how to be content in all circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. Amen. Lord, today is the day you've made. I will rejoice in it. Preach, Billy. You may, our great God, you're awesome. From early this morning till now, you've not failed in your promises. Living in a tent. And he's saying this. I'm so grateful. Well, Rossi's out of touch. Maybe. Can we have a touch of that, though? 
Can we get a touch of that sufficiently insufficient mindset that, God, everything I have is yours, my breath, my heart, my steps. It's all to skill. i got so much stuff, and it's all temporal, and it will all be gone in a moment. You have so much stuff, and it will be gone, no less gone than Billy's camp, and then on to your reward. No less, just more. To be gone with. That's all. Just more. Amen? I love you. You're a good, good father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. Lord, lead me and guide me in your ways. Let your will be done. I will rest in you. That's good stuff. Billy preach in this house today, Billy. Amen? So he said, as I said before, Pastor, I got my Jesus in my bus. What more could I need? And my thought on Saturday when I was burying him was, Billy, Jesus knew. So now you don't just have Jesus on your bus. He has you on his. <laughs> He's taking him home. Amen? And we'll catch up soon. And that journey's coming to an end for each of us. And, and listen, I'm thankful that Jesus died for the broken. I am. I'm even more thankful that he restores them as well. There was a time in my life where I would have looked at Billy and thought, man, he's going to split hell wide open. Unrepentant sinner. Man, thank God we have a good judge, amen? A merciful judge. And Billy was a broken, broken man. I wish we could have seen that restoration of Billy Joe's life this side of heaven, but I look forward to celebrating with him again soon because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I will see my sufficiently insufficient friend <laughs> again. And when I do, we will be in the sufficient presence of an almighty God for eternity, amen? Can you give God some praise up in here, Amen. But if Billy would have been walking the streets of Laodicea, would the Laodiceans' reactions to Billy be much different than ours? Just wondering. You know? Well, I thank God I'm not wretched and pitiable and blind by addiction and naked like Billy. Would that have been our words if we were in Laodicea at the time? Most likely. While going through life in a lukewarm state, when it came to their spiritual pursuit of God and the things of God, their mind was so much on the temporal and their sufficiency that they didn't realize that truly they were completely insufficient. They were losing everything. The focus on the eternal, the focus on the pursuit of God, the focus on what the Lord had for their life. And so I just want to challenge that. If you are limited in your life, sometimes those limitations come because we're holding on to too much. You're limited by what you have, and what you have has you. Wouldn't it be great to live in that way, as I said, where your thoughts are just caught up with the pursuit and purposes of God? Well, that's easy for you, Ross. You're a preacher. Man, it's not. You know the staff I work with? They're worldly. <laughs> it's hard to keep my mind stayed on Jesus. i got to work with Brian. <laughs> no, it's, it's the same for everybody. To have your mind stayed on the Lord, it's, it takes effort to think and walk and live, respond out of the eternal, not the temporal. It's not easy. But I guarantee you if you do it, man... Gratitude just follows. Joy follows. Thanksgiving follows. True, true sense of satisfaction follows. True sufficiency follows when we are sufficiently insufficient. 
Hope shows up in and through your life when you wake up each morning saying, God, if you don't show up, I don't know what I'll do. And when he shows up, he shows up not just for you, but he shows up in and through you for others, doesn't he? When you have that kind of a lifestyle where you just, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have everything I need. God, I need you to lead and guide and provide. And as you do, Lord, I'll be a conduit that you can lead, guide, and provide through. You get a people of God doing that, they'll change the world. That's all the world's looking for is for people who really live it and believe it and not visit it on Sunday. But walk it out Monday through Saturday, that's all the world really needs. We preached a whole seven weeks on that hope don't quit. You are hope dispensers. But if our mind's on the temporal and the transient, we will never walk in all that God has for us and through us. And I think that's the reason why when God looked at the Laodicean church, he had nothing to commend. And he was like, you make me sick. Spit this out my mouth. You know? You're to be a sweet saver in the earth. You're to be salt that causes something to go, mmm. I've been on this health thing for a good while, and a lot of stuff don't taste good. I'm so thankful that they let us put salt on stuff. It's the first time I've ever eaten any way, like the last three months, where they're like, no, salt's good. I'm like, hallelujah. Fat and salt? You're talking my love languages. You know? But it's savory. It's good. You know? And that's how we're supposed to live. Not I'm sufficient, I've got this figured out. So here's the thing. I'm going to put the Hope Don't Quit logo up. This has been our series we came out of. This is our campaign for the year when it comes to this new building. And listen, we have not talked a lot about the facility. But over the next year, I have an opportunity to help you get this eternal perspective. You know that? We do. We have an opportunity to help you live this message out in real time. You should say thank you. And to be honest, I'm more excited about spiritual formation taking shape in your life than I am about a new building taking shape on this property. Because I know when we take that step to say, I'm going to live for the eternal, not the transient, not the temporal, but I'm going after God and after his purposes, when we do that, we can't help but be shaped. And here's the thing, where that character breaks down with Billy, you get the opportunity to live on both sides. God, I want to walk with you first in freedom and victory, but God, I also want to keep my mind on the eternal, not the temporal. And so with that in mind, over the next year, we're raising the finances to build this church, this new facility, this new box. And so I'm going to show you the picture. We haven't shown this for probably a month and a half, but that's just basic rendering. But it's, it's on the back side. I don't even know where I'm at. It's over here. And it's going, to be, it's going to be huge. No, it's going to be nice. About 600-seat sanctuary with a nice set foyer. It's a nice box to do ministry. What's exciting about it is it'll allow us to grow to the size that we can send 150, 200 people off to plant another work and grow to a size to do it again and again and again. And 20, 25 years from now, God will have you reaching thousands of people in small communities just like this, you know, where we're like family but there's force. Isn't that cool? And so it's time for us to build that box, that incubator. And so what by faith will you be willing to face that will provide hope for other generations to come? What, what's it going to look like for you? What kind of sacrifice? What kind of dedication? Can we get our eyes off of the, the temporal and get it on 
the eternal. Can we for a year? Can we, can we dig deep financially? Get that focus kind of like Billy had where 20, that, that's all I have, but I want you to have it. That's crazy. I know it is. I know. But life after life after life, when they were told about Billy's passing down that strip, Amy told a guy at the restaurant where he would go in, and that guy dropped the money she was paying him to buy the sandwich, dropped it, and just started weeping. Because Billy had encouraged him and talked to him about the Lord as they walked down the road at times, you know. Living that way makes a difference in people's lives. It really does. So what are we doing over the next few weeks? Um, Number one, on December 3rd, that's just two Sundays from now, we've been saying bring your largest gift possible. That one-time big gift, as big as you possibly can bring, bring that large gift, all right? Don't play the lottery. That's not how we're going to do it, okay? But if you do play the lottery and you win, give a bunch. But don't play the lottery. But if you do... Give a bunch. But I would tell you not to play the lottery. But if you do, what you going to do? You're going to give a bunch. So, no, I'm kidding. But prepare your hearts to bring the biggest gift you can on December 3rd. And we're going to bring that in. What's that? That's that, that nest egg that we need to bring. The, the loan agency that we're working with, the financial agency, they want to see that nice big chunk up front. And if so, they're ready to begin moving forward with us with the finances so that we can start doing everything we need to do to build this. Okay? Then what we'll do is next year from January to December, monthly, you'll give a pledge. So on December 3rd, bring the largest gift you can so we can get things moving. Number two, bring your pledge. This is what I'm going to give every month toward the building, Hope Don't Quit campaign, from January to December. Amen? Sound good? It does. And so what does a fundraising campaign have to do with Billy Joe Rollins? (laughs) What? It has everything to do with it. Because we've always been a box that just reaches people. And there's still people that are broken and hurting. There's still people who are addicted and in need in this room today and those that are coming. And we're just creating a greater toolbox to reach those people. Now watch this as we close going into Thanksgiving, 2 Corinthians 4.15. We already read it, but let me read it again. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. What's all for the sake of the glory of God? Being troubled, but not discouraged. Persecuted, but not in despair. Forsaken, not cast down. That, that, that going through hard things. And I'm asking you over the next year to buffet your body, especially the area of finances. Go hard at this as we do something eternal. Amen? And with that, what will happen, that grace will extend to more and more people. Why? So that thanksgiving will be increased to the glory of God. You have an opportunity to step out in faith and watch hope manifest in the lives of the next generation, two generations, over the lives of hundreds if not thousands of people. Amen? Let's close our eyes and pray. Jesus, right now, I ask you, Lord, that you would be able to just, I know you're a capable, awesome God. But, Lord, our hearts at times are those of which we hold back from you our best. And, Lord God, as you press on us, would you allow us to be an eternal people? Not focused on the temporal, but focused on the eternal. And we would do things that would benefit your kingdom and others for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. 
For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.